panel session, let me tell you who's here. Andrea needs uh, less introduction uh, from Sue, but thank you. And I'm going to encourage all of our uh, panel to be completely candid. Uh, this is not the marketing brochure we're going to get today. I know uh, this is the stuff they wish they'd known. Uh, if you haven't heard of Huel already, uh, I strongly encourage you to check it out. Hands up if you have heard of it already, Huel. Yes. Oh, cracking the whole room. Uh, it is a complete food. It's got everything in it. It's got all the essential fats. It's got the carbs. It's got the vitamins. It's got the minerals. Do I get the marketing job yet? Yes, pretty good. <laughs> Well, and the man who found it, Julian Hearn, is uh, sitting next to me. So we'll hear more about uh, Huel and its journey and the stuff you wish you'd known. But thank you very much uh, for joining us. Um, Nutcracker is the agency uh, which you should already know about. Brilliant storytellers, absolutely stellar clients. And it's been an absolute pleasure working with Jenny on this event as well. But uh, you're so modest and uh, you have some amazing stories to tell. So uh, welcome, Jenny Knighting, the founder and CEO of Nutcracker. Uh, next to Jenny is Mark from Climb Online. Mark Wright, uh, their clients speak for themselves. Uh, you've got Emirates, you've got Groupon, you've got Made, you've got TikTok. It's an absolutely smashing digital agency doing amazing work. And they are your panel. Please give them a warm welcome and round of applause. <laughs> now, are we happy? Are we mic'd? Are we ready to go? Right. Question number one. And by the way, questions will come, please, uh, from our guests and indeed online as well, if you're up for it. Um, I want to know how the vision when you first started is different <coughs> to the vision today, or whether they are completely the same. Julian. Um, I would probably say ours is very, very similar to when we first started. I mean, me personally, I started as a lifestyle business, so that's changed, but in, ter <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of um, the business itself, I did spend a lot of time pre-launch to sort of think it through yeah. of what I wanted it to be, how I wanted to position it, the name, the uh, principles behind it, the brand values. I'd spent a lot of time on that to get that clear in my head before we started. Yeah. I think sometimes people do rush off, but yeah, I'd say in general, it's very similar to what my vision was. And when you say you started it as a lifestyle business, do you mean it was a side hustle? What, what did you mean by <coughs> that? How, how, when did you realize we're not in, you know, we're, we're in at the deep end? <laughs> very quickly. Um, I'd sold a previous business, so I had enough money that I could technically not work, mm. but I wanted something to keep me busy. Um, and Sometimes that means someone else in the family wanted something to keep you busy. No, I, I took a little bit of time out after selling the first business, yeah. and I just got itchy feet. Yeah. I wanted something to do, and I wanted something I was going to be proud of. Yeah. But my first business, it made very good money, but it wasn't something I was particularly proud of. So this time I started it for a different purpose, but I wanted to do something where I get a good work-life work balance. Yeah. It didn't quite pan out quite like that. No, I mean, <laughs> well, I want your tips on that later. But um, why don't we start, um, Jenny, Nutcracker. You help brilliant businesses tell their stories. Vision today compared to how you started? I think it's fairly different. I think it started off with a very strong vision and then kind of meandered away from it. And I quickly realized that the meandering didn't work. Mm. So then went back to the original vision. Um, and and tell us that in a nutshell. Well, in terms of the actual vision. Yeah. So the vision is to align sales and marketing um, and to really understand commercial growth. And I guess the key ethos with Nutcracker is to really make sure that you're looking at marketing as a commercial view rather than, you know, there's a lot of dis distrust between sales and marketing. A lot of salespeople think marketing people are fluffy. Yeah. A lot of marketing people think salespeople are lazy and there's, the two don't really marry very well. Whereas actually, if you actually bother to listen to both sides, that's when you get really exciting results. So that's interesting. So you hadn't been in agency land before. You must have seen something in a previous role that wound you up. Yeah, I did. So I worked for building a digital news site previously, yeah. which meant I was working with lots of big brands, securing lots of big advertising budgets. 
um, and then going to speak to their agencies and often sitting opposite the desk of someone who was either hungover, bored, mm. wasn't engaged. And I found that really bewildering how people could treat their clients like that. Mm. And I also found it odd that you had so many different forms of marketing working in silos. Yeah. So you'd have your creative agency, you'd have your you know, social media, your digital, all completely separate. Yes. It didn't make much sense to me because how could you really get real reach, real engagement unless it was all connected? I um, so okay. that was on the core drivers. Okay, so very un-British. Who are you working with today and what are you most proud of in this journey? Me. Um, so I suppose one thing in common that Nutcracker's uh, clients have, they range from um, small businesses all the way through to billion dollar turnover businesses. But the one thing they have in common is that they're all passionate about what they want to achieve. Um, for me, it's really important I can work with people I can get excited by and, right. I, want, and I want to help bring their vision to so, life. So, so when you meet a potential client and yeah. they're a bit meh, a bit Blair, yeah. a bit, do you think we'll get you going or do you think, no, move on? I think it depends. It depends whether they're Blair and just shy or whether they're Blair and actually they don't really have any true ambition, they just want to coast. In that case, I probably would say there's countless people to work with, but it, we really want to work with people that go, I really want that. Right, because this is challenging, isn't it, Mark? Because I guess some of the organisations you work with are multi-billion, and the simple fact is they are still growing incrementally because yes. they're billion dollars. So yes. are you looking for that surge? I mean, you're serial award-winning. I mean, t t tell, tell us your vision today. Um, so I got into the digital marketing sector because I came over here from Australia as a backpacker, um, not to bore you to death with my life story, but I came over here. I was a door-to-door -door salesman for Google AdWords, um, and... I was, had a very similar experience. I was going into these meetings and I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand how bad the marketing agencies were in this country. That The way they treated their clients was disgraceful. The way they treated their staff was disgraceful. And we have a saying in Australia, don't get bitter, get better. So I put together a business plan for what I thought would be the best digital marketing agency in the UK, but with a difference, where the customers don't pay until after they get the results. Now, when I go into a meeting, and I challenge you to do this with the agencies that you work with, when they come in and say, this is the cost, say, fantastic, no worries, but I'm going to pay you at the end after you get me the results and see how many are still sat at the other side of the table to you. I'll still be sat there. And that's how I've been able to sign up Emirates and all of these uh, companies because there's no limit. There's no risk for them. What, what's the risk? You either don't pay me or, or you get the result, mm -hmm. and then you don't mind paying. So that was the way I entered the market. Now... I speak in very plain English terms. I don't say clicks and all this garbage, uh, impressions and CPC and all of this stuff. I speak in English. You give me money, after I get your results, I get you more profit. And Alan Sugar very much liked that theory and made me the winner of The Apprentice in 2014. So it just comes back to making everything a bit more simple, uh, understanding your market. When you understand something fully, you can explain it simply. And so many people, particularly in our space, get in this habit of trying to sound like some sort of, you know, this, that and the other. And it, it gets too complex for your customers and you've got to bring things back to the basics. They've got businesses, they're struggling, money is important to them. Show them it to them easy, show them how it gets results and don't charge them yeah. till you've got them. And it's right. worked well for me. It sounds like a way of saying cut the crap. Cut the crap. Okay. Cut, oh. cut as the my, crap. As my late grandmother used to say, Andrea... When you're starting out, everyone's telling us to focus, 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 and yet you are exploring to see what works, to see what clicks, to see what fits. Mm. I'm going to ask you the same question, Julian, because this could be a product for anyone, and yet sometimes, particularly with marketing, you have to focus. How do we tread that line when we're exploring? Mm -hmm. So how do you tread the line in terms of 
focusing on one market right. segment versus checking out... Casting loads of hooks, yeah. seeing what bites, seeing yeah. what tugs. Yeah, it, it is true. I mean, and they do say your first couple of years, you don't really know what your genuine fit is. Mm. So you are spending time navigating. I never thought a bank was going to be my customer. And now banks are my key customer in terms of eventual destination getting to, to businesses. Um, wouldn't have found that out unless I'd actually yeah. dabbled in getting involved in a few industry Where things. are you on this, Julian, in terms of focus? Where did it uh, come to realize? Well, in terms of product, we focused on one product. When we first launched, we had one product, yeah. one flavor. That was it. Yeah. Uh, makes life very simple, and you've got a very clear message. If you try to start with too many things, you get diluted, and that doesn't really make sense to a lot of people. So, in but in terms of, say, advertising, we have tried everything. Mm. And, and so we focus heavily on paid social now, yeah. but we didn't know that was going to be the right channel for us until we started. So when we first started, we, we put bits of money in everywhere. So I started with some PR, and uh, mm. I remember the first month, well, two or three months here, one of my friends, he got in touch with me and said, have you tried Facebook? And I'd never tried it before, so I gave him 700 pounds, I think it was. Yeah. He set up a campaign for me, we went, got over, and we just saw numbers straight away. Uh, but on top of that, we've tried out at home, we tried TV, and you know, the sort of rule in the business is you can try anything once, but if it doesn't work, yeah. don't do it again. And, wh and what about in terms <coughs> of customer segments? Because, you know, in a parallel universe, you've just gone after the we athletes and the bodybuilders, but no, it's not that. We, we, well, uh, Facebook in particular, with their lookalike audience, we don't, we don't handpick uh, demographics at all. Uh -huh. So in terms of customer segments, we don't typically talk like that at all. Yeah. Um, you know, we think all human beings are, are more alike than they are different. Uh -huh. So I'd rather market for everybody rather than have a small segment. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of bodybuilders, we deliberately stayed away from that audience yeah. because there were so many products in that category already that we, we actually target office workers uh, rather than um, bodybuilders or gym goers because that was a, a saturated category and there was nobody saying this this sort of uh, powdered food is good for you it's more convenient than a lot of food you currently buy it's yeah. way better for you and it's more cost effective and uh, they had never been marketed to yeah. that sort of product. It's quite refreshing in that sense. Yeah. All right, without naming names, single biggest waste of money <laughs> in terms of in terms of you know driving through sales and marketing. Mark I know you won't mince your words on this. You just shouldn't have bothered. In terms of my experience, yep. what I've, well, I've wasted more money than, than I think a lot of people, but that's why my company's successful. Huel is one of the most successful brands growing in this country right now. And one of the key things he just said is the amount of channels they're constantly trying in their business. And that is the key to success right now with your marketing campaign. Google AdWords is going to die. Twitter is dead. Google AdWords is well, going to be. Hang on, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Sorry, sorry. So we got a head around it. Okay. On what basis is it going to, is it going to die? Because you could look at it from one angle and yes. see some rude health. Yes, so once Donald Trump is not president, Twitter's dead. Um, and. Um, hang on a second. Hands up who would. Um, like Twitter more if Donald Trump was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so let, come, me, come on, let me expand on that. So Twitter's targeting for advertising is horrendous. I, I've never had a successful campaign for a client work on Twitter. I believe the advertising platform just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Fa Facebook right now is the new Google AdWords. It's so hot. The quicker you can get your campaigns on there using video creatives, the more successful you're going to be because the cost will keep rising. Google AdWords is a publicly traded company. They're 
increasing the click price week after week after week. And many of my clients that were getting huge returns are now getting terrible returns. Um, okay, so okay. Well, Mark, let me pause you there. Jenny, Mark's misunderstood Twitter, hasn't he? It's storytelling, it's isn't it? It's not an unusual approach. Um, it's quite a bold statement. I advertising. Think, I think the difference with yeah. what Mark's talking about and say where Nutcracker looks at it is that he's looking purely advertising. Yes. Um, whereas obviously what we do is we look at building relationships and engagement, which obviously there's only so much emotional connection you can have with a Google AdWords. Whereas unlike, say, this, what we do, which is we build a connection, we build, um, we build a brand. Yeah. So it's, it's just a different purpose. So in terms of Twitter, do I think it's going to proper business success overnight? Of course not. But do I think some businesses should be on there talking to people? Yes. Okay. But this is a serious question, Andrea, because we could save guests a lot of time and heartache. What have you learned the hard way simply doesn't work and got in your way? Oh, God. My biggest ouch moment was we... When we entered the industry, we were told, oh, you need to sponsor awards, mm -hmm. you know, um, because this is the industry needs to get to know you. Spent a fortune on awards, going to every single one of them around the country. Zero, zero return. It was like we were talking to the wrong people. Um, that what about was our raising awareness? Hard to measure that. Uh, no, I, I actually think we would have raised awareness in the market anyway. I think there's way better ways to be spending your yeah. money, uh, as Mark has rightly pointed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. We actually, uh, similar, we, um, <laughs> we were hiring recently, and this guy uh, came from one of the big fintechs, and he said, yeah, my budget's uh, 250000 a month uh, on Google AdWords alone. That's just that channel now. And, how would you do with 500 pounds? <laughs> because we're the same. We're, we're going down the route of um, we're getting better responses on Facebook than we are Google Ads. Right. So let's, no go, let's go back on that bright side. And Mark, I'll bring you back in. But a point of light. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? In terms of how you've grown the business, particularly through sales and marketing channels, you thought, actually, that has been an absolute blinder. You've drawn attention to Facebook. Yep. Others we should be bearing in mind in the mix. What else? Uh, well, we basically everything online typically works better than everything offline. So I'd firstly stay away from offline. We've done our home TV didn't work at all. Okay. Press ads I've done a lot in my past and wouldn't do those either. So everything online typically works. If you can measure it, you can optimize it. Okay. Um, yeah, Twitter has not got the best optimization tool, <laughs> so it's not a great one for us. Instagram second best really after Facebook. Yep. Um, but we also do smaller platforms like Reddit as well. So something like that, you can actually target down to different um, things. But in general, the reason Facebook's so good is that they, they're just, their algorithm's just better. Okay, um, and Mark, hopefully Twitter could, could get better if they had a better algorithm in yeah. there to actually target. Yeah. So I'm not saying the platform's bad. I think it's just their... their Mechanics behind exactly. it. Exactly. And I think that will come. And I think this is the same for lots of other channels. We've tried about 13 different channels online. Yeah. And typically, they're all, all worse than Facebook. But I think they will get better. There's no reason why you can't reverse engineer what Facebook do in terms of their optimization and just apply it to different platforms. It's just a lot of these companies are too slow and lazy to do it. Yeah. I mean, four or five people up here who are experts are saying the same thing. Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty important to note. Yeah. The biggest thing I've ever wasted money on in business is the wrong employees, mm -hmm. not marketing. I've, right. I've spent a fortune on people who are wrong for my company, and if I had to pick anything where I've kicked money up the swanee, that would be it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, give us on that then the number one thing that you could have done that would have saved you the heartache? Spend more money on getting the right people rather than being cheap and hiring the wrong people uh, to save money. 
When I started out, I, I would hire someone for 18 to 25,000 pounds, thinking they would, I could get the most out of them as the same as a 40,000 pound salary. It didn't work. Right. And I ended up causing reputational damage, having to took time and energy and training into a person who, in the end, we had to fire anyway, mm -hmm. or, or they quit and it was wrong for their career. So marketing, you can never make a mistake on because you spend money, even if it doesn't work, you've learned a lesson for yes. what doesn't work. It's a, it's, it's a challenge, isn't it, Jenny? Because, you know, a lot of people in the room will be growing their businesses very quickly. And I've noticed with Nutcracker, you've taken such care, not that the fast growth businesses don't take care, but, you know, it is one person at a time. Yeah. They love working in the business. So how do we tread this line between the care we take in hiring the right person and the speed to deliver on the targets we've so set? I think it depends on your aspiration and what you really want to achieve. Because for me, turnover is vanity, and it's not about chasing numbers. For me, it's about what is your heart of your business. I mean, just to draw back just quickly on the marketing side of things, I think we're really focusing here on consumer marketing mm -hmm. um, rather than B2B, which would obviously be a completely different kettle of fish to what we've discussed. So if you have B2B audiences, I would look at it slightly differently. But getting back to talent, for me, I was the other end of the scale to mark. I, my two biggest mistakes were people who I employed who I thought were very experienced, they were expensive, and they nearly toppled my business in both instances. So for me, I've now got a team which I'm really proud of. They're ambitious, they're hungry. In fact, my account manager is probably the most talented person I've worked with since she's 23. Um, no doubt she'll be managing director by the time she's 28. Um, so for me, it's not about it, it's not about it's not about the age or the salary. For me, it's about do they have the right mindset? You can train skills, you can't train attitudes. Right. So on, on this then, even if it makes your current <laughs> marketing director go, can't believe you just said that, or she just said that single biggest challenge today to growth? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think partly recruiting the right people. Um, but I think ultimately it's the, it's the position of the market. If you can't communicate your product correctly, that's going to stop your growth. So for a product like Cure, it's quite confusing for some people. Some mm. people don't get it. And uh, that's the biggest thing that can stop our growth. If we can't communicate that properly, so we're going to different countries and we have to land that m uh, message in different countries. Yeah. Uh, each country's got its own culture as well. So the fastest growing com uh, country we've had so far has been the UK, so our heart's here. Mm -hmm. And so trying to replicate that in other countries has been trickier. Uh, and some countries just, just explode and other countries don't. And you have to try and work out what the differences are. So that's probably the biggest um, uh, challenge that we face. And Andrew was hinting about this uh, when she spoke about uh, international markets. Mm. Um, uh, biggest, biggest opportunity globally? Well, China's the biggest opportunity, I suppose. <laughs> it's very problematic to do business there. Mm -hmm. We looked into it heavily and uh, it's extremely tricky. I mean, we're, we're uh, uh, based on Shopify. Shopify's not in China. Mm -hmm. We're very reliant on uh, paid social. Yep. Facebook's not in China. Yep. Google's not in China, I don't think. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's very difficult to replicate our business model out there, yeah. uh, direct to concern, without doing completely new platforms. I would have thought, Julian, attracting talent would be easy. You're a very attractive brand, you're yeah, a consumer we, brand, but yeah. what, why are you struggling? Where are you struggling? Well, because talent is, the, we want the best of the best. So the, of course we could recruit very quickly if we wanted to, yeah. but we've got a very high bar to get into the business. Um, I do sort of, I, you know, instead of paying the highest salary, I think some of our best employees have been people straight out of university that mm. are on they're good salaries, but they're not high. And uh, yeah. you know, experience, I think, quite often is overrated. I think you can have bad experience. Um, you come from another company, you're sort of, you, you do it their way. We yeah. want it our way. So when people yeah. come bad in with habits. no experience. Okay. okay. So let, let's go <clears throat> quite quick fire, and then we'll get some questions from you. Uh, single biggest thing getting in the way of your growth right now. How would you be as pithy as you could on that, Andrea? It, it is talent. Mm -hmm. I can't hire fast enough. What type of talent? Tech talent. Just uh, 
really, really hard at the rate that we need to go to keep up at the pace. We absolutely, it's about survival because it, it, the world is really changing in the finance system. And if you want to keep up, you have to keep developing. Right. So for us, it's tech talent. If I was joining Swoop, I'd love to have a few shares. Is that, is that all? <laughs> that's, well, that's how you, that's how you, uh, yeah. And that's on the table, that's yeah. happening? Yes, yeah, absolutely, okay. yeah. One of the problems we're facing here in, in London is, is, that, is, is finding the right talent because on the same street as us, you've got Google, Microsoft, Amazon. They've got uh, free lunches four times a day. You can bring your dog to work. You've got a creche for a sleep. You've got a gym in here. You, do your own you don't do your own washing. And then you come in to work for me. Bring your own bloody lunch. You've got to be in on time yeah. and you sit at your desk yeah. and work all day. It's now not an attractive proposition. Yeah. Um, well, so you've got against dogs, Mark. Well, I, I have a, a three-rule policy. Well, I've just released one of the rules, long story. No babies, no dogs, no plants. Um, and <laughs> it is fun to work for me. Um, but I've just allowed plants in. The dogs oh. and babies are still banned. But uh, one of my mentors once told me, if you're watching the plants, you're not watching your business. And it's stuck in my head like, uh, like crazy. So, but I've learned my lesson on that one. But I feel that we're going in this world now where Google has this unbelievable product that basically r runs itself. They can be in the gym all day and, and ma making souffles in the kitchen. I need people doing work. And the problem is, is when you're coming up across that and someone's being 100, being paid 150 grand to sit there and you know, pat their dog, it, it's very hard to compete against that. But what about the well-being? I mean, Jenny, <laughs> I can feel you twitching as uh, Mark is setting down his rules number one and two. He might be missing quite an opportunity here. Wait for it, Mark. Yes, no. I can't wait. Well, I think we come at things from slightly different perspectives. Um, I get teased about not being a dog lover, which is completely unfounded. But not being a dog lover. A dog lover. And I have, I've had two dogs in the office, so um, yeah. Well, I love dogs, just not in my place. <laughs> well, I don't, work. and I still accept them. So what's that say about you? Um, so I, so I That's think, well. I think the thing for me um, with nurturing is that I think it's really important that we see people and we see their ambition, what they want to achieve, and how you really get them there. So yes, I want people to work hard. And one of my biggest growth challenges is helping well, the team realize that actually it's not about the here and now, it's actually the short to long-term vision. If you take your after ball there, you haven't really got a success story. So for me, that's the biggest business challenge rather than talent. Interesting. We'll, um, we'll, um, we'll, we'll bring Mark back in on the biggest, on the biggest <laughs> challenge. What, what, Do you like cats? I, I, I love animals, <laughs> but just not in the workplace. Let's, let's be 100% clear. Someone, yeah. what, so what's holding you back then? You've got these amazing clients, it's growing like... Uh, we, we've had a challenging market here in the UK. Um, we've had uh, more elections in, in the space of five years that, than ever. We've had uh, the B word. And now, now hang we on, hang have on. Why, 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 why elections? Why does that affect a digital agency? Tell us. So whatever... What, our research has showed whenever we have, we call it uncertainty in the market, our biggest advertisers reduce their budgets or their spend, particularly okay. uh, in international markets. So um, right now, I do the marketing for the biggest cruise ship provider uh, in, in, in the world. How many cruise ship bookings do you think he's provided in the last couple of weeks? Not many. Um, so little things like that really affect us. So the biggest thing holding me back, unfortunately, is some outside market conditions. We don't use that as an excuse. We just look for um, businesses that aren't facing market conditions. So you've always got to find someone to sell to. I don't let that uh, become an excuse, but that is the biggest thing. Yeah, no, I understand. And that's, but, uh, Andrea, in please. terms of elections, um, that's how I found my digital agency. So I 
stayed up all night watching the election result, and here I am seeing the Labour heartland going to, to the Conservatives. So I just Googled digital agency for Conservatives, and I found it was two Kiwis who had just won the election in Australia as well for the Liberal government. And I'm thinking, who are these guys? And literally just kept up all night, found them, two 24-year-olds, um, who have now joined my team as my digital agency. Yeah, yeah, I just thought, well, uh, you know, if you can do it there, then uh, during these difficult times, surely you can do it. Uh, this is it. This is yeah. how we win most of our business off work that we've done. Like TikTok has just become one of the biggest social yeah. media platforms uh, in the world, and we do all their advertising, have done for quite some time, but now we're winning a lot of business off it because it's become so big. So doing good work and creating case studies around that, like you've done with mm -hmm. your election guys, is the greatest way and easiest mm -hmm. way to get work. Love it, cracking client. Uh, <coughs> questions, observations. I won't force you to say who you are, but what's this panel making you think? What's it making you want to ask? Who's got a question for me? Let's have a look. Ask anything. Come on, make it a tough yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll go second row and then I'm looking around. Uh, yes, and I'll go right to the back in the red dress after that, as quick as we can. Thank you very much indeed, sir. Uh, hi, Phil Ball from Action Coach. Um, it's a question for um, the chap on the answer. I forgot Mark. Mark. Mark, yeah. How do you compete then with, with Google that are just up the road? What, what, what do you say? In terms of the service provided or for talent? No, or for talent. talent. Right, okay, good question. Hold that thought. Wait, wait a second, Mark. Can we raise the mic just back there? Because then we'll gather that up. And Mark, do begin. Um, yes. Actually, why, why not? Crack on, crack on. My name's very easy to remember. It's Mark Wright, like the guys from The Only Way's Essex, but just <laughs> not the same guy. Um, so uh, it's a very tough challenge, and it comes back to, to really understanding the individual in front of you and painting the opportunity for them. So you need to find, make sure you're finding the right person that it's right for their career and they're right for your business and show them what's possible for their career. What you don't realise is if you work at Google and you're 6,000th down the line to making a decision, whatever you work on, you're very going to rarely see it come into the light of day. When you work in our companies, if you come up with a good idea and you're hard working, you're going to see that into production really, really quickly. And people like seeing the results of their ideas and their hard work. I, I interviewed I, a co-founder of Skyscanner is, on this. That is exactly true. That oh. is how I got my two Google guys. And they literally said, it's so depressing. If you're not in Mountain View, nothing sees the light of day. Oh. It gets binned. Um, so just think about that. <coughs> they go in there with this great expectation of, wow, like, you know, in Google, the, the average uh, time a person stays there is 18 months. And actually, Google, the senior guys are like, how come you're not moving on yet? So, so I wouldn't be intimidated by the, the, the Google um, angle yeah. at all. I've got yeah. another suggestion. Don't, don't be based on the same street of them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're based outside of London, which you don't have to be in London. There is a lot more competition. So if you're based in London, you've got uh, so much more um, places Remind you us where work. you are, Julian. We're out in Tring, out in Hertfordshire. Yeah, no, so we, we um, find it very easy to recruit talent because there's there's not many places to work at. There's not, a lot of the people who live in that area will commute into London, so they, they might be going to Google. If you say to them, I can save you an hour, hour and a half, two hours a day commuting, you can recruit uh, very easily. Yeah, and it was something you hated about your previous role Well, as that's well, why we're based there, because it's 10 minutes from my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, by the way, um, co-founder of Skyscanner told me the other day, the second top question they get when people are applying for jobs is how likely is it that my code will appear on the live site. There you go. Really want it close to their heart. Question, question at the back, please. Hi there, my name's Elle Moss. I run a creative agency called Drew London. Thanks, amazing panel, by the way. Absolutely fantastically interesting. 
I just wondered, I've heard from Action Coach over there, because uh, that's my mentor, but who's mentored you guys? Who advises you guys? Right, so everyone? that is a brilliant question, and I'm going to ask you to be quick fire and pithy with your answers as we close in on the final few minutes. Andrea, do you mind? Uh, Simon, I mentioned earlier. Simon Devonshire, at All Man Business. Good man, thank you. Julian? Uh, podcast, I just listen to it probably an hour a day, and I get loads and loads and loads Ooh, of advice. Give us your top tip. Top tip? Of a podcast you love. Uh, this... Um, this Week in Startups is probably the best uh, podcast I've listened to. I think they're on about a thousand episodes. I've listened to virtually every single but one. That, isn't that amazing? You're running a hundred million pound business and you listen to a podcast for an hour yeah. a day. That's brilliant. Well, I usually walk the dog. That's my little free time. So <laughs> I listen to a podcast. I take it because I've got nothing else to do. Well, you say that. Could Can't be come to my office. You're making. Can't <laughs> <laughs> come to mine. Yeah, Mark, what do you do when you're walking your dog? Well, no, who's, yeah. who, who, who's mentored you? I mean, I've been very lucky. I've been mentored by Alan Sugar for six years, and that's been unbelievable. Yeah. Very similar to Alana. He's all about the numbers, focusing on the numbers yeah. and having a toughness. And Grant Cardone, a famous American entrepreneur, and I try to read one book a week. Wow. Give us the top tip from your bookshelf, something you've read this year that you think actually... I just finished a book yesterday called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and it's the best book I've ever read. Wow. Uh, the Alchemist by Pablo Coelho and uh, Can't Hurt Me. Can't Hurt Me. Well, we will try and get on the EBL 2020 hashtag. We'll try and get that sharing. Jenny, who mentors <coughs> you, may I ask? So I've kind of outgrown a couple of mentors, so I need to find a fresh one because my business at a different stage where it's okay. been before. Um, a book I've read recently I thought was excellent was a book by Jamie Waller called Unsexy Business. Brilliant book. Love Jamie. Sold a debt collection business, didn't he? Yeah, very, very interesting yep. guy with some really f solid foundation advice from all different types of businesses. We've focused <coughs> quite heavily on consumers and really I think it's important to look at the B2B businesses and that's an excellent book. Right. And just one more, because usually when you read these books, it's all perfect. Uh, ben Horowitz, The Hard yep. Thing About Hard Things, it's about when things go disastrously. Okay, big um, Silicon Valley VC, yeah. Andreessen Horowitz, Ben Horowitz. Yeah, Ben okay. Horowitz. Yeah. Very good, right. Now, final two minutes. Uh, a piece of advice on scaling your business that you just wish someone had said earlier and more clearly and said, you've got to listen to this. You've got to pick one piece of advice. Mark, you're nodding. You're going to pick one for me. As we go in, you, your success two. in business is limited by the owner's belief of where the company can go. You have to have ambitious targets. Don't think spend money on this channel and if it's successful, we'll keep it there. Set a goal to spend the most in your sector. That's a real goal. Yeah. Uh, if you, you're only limiting yourself up here and just be audacious with your targets and when you see something work, 10x it, honestly. Love it. Great. Julian, what would you say? Um, very, very simple. Just make customers happy. That if you do that, they'll come back. They'll tell their friends. If you do the opposite and don't make them happy, you've lost the customer and they won't come back. It's very simple. Love it. Great advice. <coughs> By the way, so many good interviews with Julian on YouTube as well, if you want to dig into his philosophy as well. So I'm very grateful for the time you shared already on this sort of stuff. Jenny, what would you say? So I think uh, two things. I think the first thing is to really, really understand your proposition. Don't assume you know what people think about yeah. it. Actually really understand it. And the second thing is slightly negative, but I wish I'd listened to, is the second you have doubt about someone, get them out of your business because toxic people can destroy your business. And the sooner they're gone, the better, and you'll see your business grow. Would, tip would, would you extend that to toxic clients, Jenny? Absolutely, we've had both. And as soon as they're both gone, the happier mm -hmm. and the more successful. In fact, we got rid of a very difficult employee last summer and the business is a completely different business a short time later. Brilliant, brilliant, brutal advice. Love it. Now, finally, let's hear it. Andrea, please. Oh, uh, so mine was uh, once you know that your product is right, don't write the script too small for yourself. So think globally. Um, it was very, very similar, but first get the product right yeah. and then think globally. So get that product market yeah. fit and then, and then 
and then think big. The magic of thinking big. Yeah. Love it. Um, ladies and gents, would you agree this has been a good panel? Really helpful. Please join me in thanking all of the four uh, guests. Thank you very much indeed.